0: This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Our gracious Lord, we remember you. And above all else, we remember that you remembered us. You remembered our need, our eternal absence, our bankruptcy, to have what is necessary to enjoy life forever in your presence. And so we come this evening to praise you, as well as to remember you, and to ask for your Holy Spirit that the wisdom, the insight, might fill our hearts, our minds, our wills. And we ask these things confidently because of your promises. Amen. We turn our attention to the Word of God, Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. All things new. As you already know, that is the focus of the topics that we're covering this evening monday thursday tomorrow god willing good friday and then saturday evening sunday morning easter tomorrow it will be the new relationship which was portrayed so beautifully with the <laughs> the splitting of that curtain from the holy place to the most holy place from top to bottom a new relationship with god and then sunday Saturday evening, Easter, new life. As the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, life that is truly life, spiritual ushering into eternal life based upon Christ's work on our behalf. And this evening, new covenant. Using the words that the prophet Jeremiah and the Lord Jesus Christ used pertaining to the New Covenant. Let's use the language this evening, and and again, as a kind of a mnemonic device that I might remember it longer, that you might retain the information longer. Use language of business and advertising, and let us talk about three truths that we should know about the New Covenant And what we're talking about here is that the new covenant is new and improved, that the new covenant comes with a lifetime warranty, and the new covenant brings life changing power. That will be the progression of our talking this evening. So, the first truth, the first focus, is that the new covenant is new and improved. Uh that reminds me. I don't know if you've seen my my new smartphone. But if you would examine this very closely, you would understand that uh it's a uh, it's an iPhone 7. <laughs> That's kind of ancient history, but this came out in 2016. But I can still refer to it very appropriately as my new smartphone because it has new and improved capabilities of what the iPhone 6 or 5 or 4 had, and also it's new to me. It's the same kind of language we use when we talk about, uh, I got a new car but I may have gotten it as a used or pre-owned vehicle. This is the way we talk. More importantly, it's the way that our Lord Jesus talked when he talked about the new covenant. He used a distinctive word in the Greek language that meant new as in a new kind of not just chronologically new, but a new kind of. Well, first of all, let's go back to the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, and listen to what he says there at verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. So there's the old covenant defined and described. It is the covenant made by the Lord and the nation of Israel after he had brought them out of the house of bondage, out of slavery in Egypt, and brought them to be his special people. It is often called the Mosaic Covenant because Moses was the leader of the Israelites at that particular time and the instrument that the Lord used to channel the information to the people. It's also called the Sinaitic or the Sinai Covenant because that's the geography where it all took place in the Sinai Peninsula. But whatever term it goes by, it's the Old Covenant and it governed the nation of Israel specifically for just shy of 1,500 years, during the entire period from the book of Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament, chronologically, all the way to the very end, the prophet Malachi's book. Yeah, that's why it's called the Old Testament. Please understand that the word covenant, testament, or will, as in last will and testament, in both the Hebrew language and the Greek language are identical, it's the same word. It's the context which leads translators to use the word covenant or testament, or will. And this, then, is the old covenant that has been new and improved, and that's our emphasis right now. Here is what the Jeremiah, the prophet, said again in chapter 31. It, that is the new covenant, will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. It's easy to understand language. He's describing a covenant as an agreement or a treaty or a relationship that's being established between two different parties or two different people, like a marriage covenant, or a business agreement between two partners going into business together. But it was a colossal failure, this old covenant. Not because the covenant was bad, but because the people were bad. Here's how it came into existence. We go now to to Exodus chapter 19, the chapter that introduces the covenant of the Old Testament. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, go between, mediators between God and all the other nations, and a holy nation. And then the people responded. The people all responded together, we will do everything that the Lord has said. But they couldn't. And they didn't. And every one of you, as you have read through the Old Testament and you've read the announcements and the pronouncements of the, of the prophets, you know very well that that's a major topic. You broke the covenant again. You broke the covenant again. You shattered it with your idolatry and your backsliding, your immorality, your your apathy with regard to your relationship with your Lord God. You broke the covenant again. And that is why the Lord promised a new, new kind of covenant, again, through the prophet Jeremiah. So let's go back to chapter 31 of the prophet Jeremiah. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Did you catch what our responsibilities and duties are in this new covenant? (laughs) You're right. Absolutely correct. Nothing. It's all I, says the Lord. I will do this. I will do that. It's not we. This is no joint project. And it certainly is not you. You must accomplish this. It is a one-sided rather than a two-sided covenant. In other words, it's like a testament. And this is the glorious promise that is given there. It, it, it's like, it's like there's a promise of a trip to paradise for 2,000 people. And two people agree, we're going to take this trip to paradise. We'll each pay $1,000, and we'll go. But one of them ends up contributing nothing. And so the other person comes forward and says, okay, it's time for a new agreement here. Tell you what, I will pay the $2,000, and then both of us will go to the trip to paradise. That is how the Lord establishes the new covenant. Totally one-sided, totally gracious, especially for the bankrupt people like us who fall short of the glory of God on a continual basis. So again, it's new and improved. But let's go to the second major point. This new covenant is also coming with a lifetime warranty. And if we ask, can we be sure? Might might something fail and uh, ruin that kind of a promise? Well, let's go to Luke chapter twenty-two once again. The words of our Lord Jesus: "This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me." In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in." my blood which is poured out for you. Body, blood, that's death language. Of course it is. And this is the point that deserves to be made. It's not flashy, it's not cumbersome, it's not difficult to understand. Let's let's cheat and use scripture. the, The writer to the Hebrews in the New Testament addresses the issue of the body, the blood, the death. And we go to Hebrews chapter nine, starting at verse 16. In the case of a will, and that's the covenant word again, that's the testament word again, but in context, it's a good translation. In the case of a will, or this new covenant, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when someone has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, He took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. And it is the death of Jesus Christ. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, which is the ratification and the guarantee that the new covenant is in force. And not long after the writer to the Hebrews wrote those words, he also then added this information. Remember that once a will is in force and the one who made the will is dead or has died, you can't change it, it's unchangeable. Now, of course, you all know that's the law today, but the point is that's the gospel today too with regard to the new covenant and what Jesus Christ has accomplished. At the heart and core of the new covenant is the announcement of the forgiveness of sins. It is the removal of our guilt. This is what the prophet prophet Jeremiah had said, and it is something that cannot be changed. But think about that. Jesus asks us to remember him, his body, his blood, given, poured out for us. Isn't that remarkable? Seriously. He doesn't say, Remember the miracles, you know, the awesome, gracious miracles. He doesn't say, remember my words, as in how eloquent, how comforting, how helpful to people. He didn't even say, remember my character, remember my nature, so flawless, so perfect. No, he doesn't talk that way, not here. Remember my death, because there is the absolute assurance that the new covenant is in place, has been ratified, cannot be set aside, and the forgiveness of sins, life and salvation come with it. That's an eternal guarantee, an eternal warranty. Not just lifetime, but remember, our lives go through the grave and into eternity, and the stipulations of the new covenant will prevail also there. Well, let's go to the third main emphasis this evening. Not only is the new covenant new and improved and coming with a lifetime warranty, but it also brings life-changing power. The Mosaic or the Sinai covenant, there's nothing wrong with it. It had 613 different stipulations in it. And not a single one of those was poor, bad quality, goofy. No, it was all great. But what it didn't have was the power or the ability to enable the people to do it, to fulfill it and carry it out. It would be like us going to New York City and, and, and facing the Atlantic Ocean. And then the Lord should say to us, "Um, swim from here to London. You know, there's not a hard word in that sentence. Grammatically, it's, it's great. But it's not going to happen because I don't have the power or the capability to swim unassisted from New York City to London. And that was the problem with the old covenant and why it had to be changed, of course, from a two sided to a one sided covenant or promise. There's nothing in the law itself that empowers people to obey it. Now, I don't know who first wrote this or said this, but on the screen now, look at a, a little four line poem, if you will. It really says it well the truth. To run and work, the law commands, yet gives me neither feet nor hands. But better news the gospel brings it bids me fly and gives me wings. This is the new life that the Holy Spirit brings through the unconditional gospel. I recently came across this comment regarding. the the visible Christian church in the United States and contemporary preaching in general, general comments of what this person observed in the United States. He says, too much preaching today is only moral urgings, like telling a prisoner to hang a picture or to put a new rug in his cell. What's needed is someone to open the door and set the prisoner free, well put, well expressed. The laws and commands can give me clarity of God's will, but they don't give me the power and the capability of doing it. C.S. Lewis once walked into a, a group of people that were discussing the question, what makes Christianity uniquely different from every other religion. And as soon as he heard that, C.S. Lewis said, that's easy, grace. It's the grace, the undeserved and freely given love of God, which establishes the relationship between us and him and maintains it with the forgiveness of sins because they've been paid for by Christ's body and blood on the cross. It's the same thing that the gospel is always capable of because of the Holy Spirit's working. If you look around your neighborhoods, you're going to see some trees that have been dormant now for many months. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if on some of them you find these old, brown, wrinkly, basically dead leaves. But the the, the winter winds, the blizzards, the sheets of ice, the snow, they're still there. It didn't knock them off. But you're going to look in a few weeks now at those same trees, and guess what you're not going to find there? Those dead leaves. Well, what finally took it away? Of course, it is the surging of new life coming from the inside and thrusting the old off and out that it might be replaced by the new, the living, the green, the beautiful. This is the way our heavenly father, our creator and preserver has designed it. And that is how the Christianity works with the changes of lifestyle. Here's a passage from Jeremiah again, chapter 31. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So there's a a new personal relationship with a a new appreciation of God's will, and that does make a difference. Over a hundred years ago, a very gifted Christian teacher by the name of Oswald Chambers, he wrote these words. Wherever Christianity has ceased to be vigorous, it is because it has become Christian ethics instead of Christian evangel, that is, good news, gospel. People people will listen more readily to an exposition of the Sermon on the Mount than they will to the meaning of the cross. But they forget that to preach the Sermon on the Mount, which is basically all law, beautiful, but it's law, But to preach that apart from the cross is to preach an impossibility. Unconditional gospel, the new covenant, and the Lord's Supper, its vehicle to give us the new covenant, gives new life because it creates faith. And when you have faith, the Holy Spirit produces the fruits of faith, And now we're getting into a change in my behavior patterns and thought patterns. Allow me to to finish this sermon with a story. Yeah, it really happened. It was at a celebration of the Lord's Supper, exactly what we have here to enjoy this evening. But as it turned out, there was a highly respected municipal judge that was receiving the Lord's Supper alongside a relatively new convert to Christianity who at one time years ago had actually been sentenced to prison by that same judge. Well, there they were, side by side. The more respected, the less respected. And they received the Lord's body and the Lord's blood, the affirmation of the new covenant together. After that worship service, a friend of the judge came up to him and said, you know, when when I saw that, you know what I thought of? (laughs) It was the, the wondrous grace of God And the judge said, I uh, agree totally, I agree 100%, but, and then he made this clarification, I want you to understand that I'm thinking of God's grace for me. And then he explained, God has been most gracious to me. That other man had bad parenting was undereducated, never given much of a chance, and almost naturally turned to crime. Yes, let us praise God for God's grace that lifted him up from all of that. But I was much more of a project. Because I had everything, parents, home, education, encouragement, respect, social position, I was therefore much more likely to ignore my Savior, to belittle his grace, and to treat Christ's sacrifice with contempt. So, praise God all the more for lifting me up from that. Those are the words of a mature Christian who understood the new covenant, understood and enjoyed the the grace of God. And so I speak to you, More than likely, much more respected by culture and society than a lot of others in our community. But it's all due to the grace of God. And that is what we're going to then celebrate, because we qualify for the Lord's Supper. We are sinners in need of the assurance of forgiveness. And let us remember, as we leave this building later this evening, those three truths that was good to review. The new covenant is new and improved. The new covenant comes with a lifetime warranty, and the new covenant brings life-changing power. My dear brothers and sisters in Jesus, enjoy it. Thank and praise God for it, and tell other people about it. Let us pray. Our gracious God, your mercies as the prophet Jeremiah also said, are new and fresh every morning. We thank and praise you that through your word you have reminded us of your grace and mercy in a new and fresh way through the new covenant and that you're going to refresh us also through the Lord's Supper this evening. We deserve none of this, but we receive all of this because of your one-sided promise and you keep all of your promises. Bless us and enrich us, that we may bless and enrich others with these same eternal truths. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to Lamb dot com.